Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible class. We're podcasting a Bible class for all of those who cannot be with us at the building at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ each Wednesday evening. We're posting this pot this Bible study podcast at the regular time that we would normally meet in the building. For all of those who are in the area, we encourage you to come and be with us at 6.30 each Wednesday evening for midweek Bible classes. But for those who cannot be with us, and also for those who are listening and studying with us in other parts of the country and around the world, we're thankful to have this opportunity and the ability to be able to podcast these Bible studies each Wednesday evening. We also do this for Sunday morning Bible classes at 9.30 each Sunday morning, and that, of course, is Central Standard Time in the United States. So we're thankful to be able to reach out with God's Word and teach His Word on such a widespread basis through the medium of the Internet by these podcasts. We want to encourage you to share these studies with everybody you can, your friends, your family members, your work associates, your neighbors, with literally everybody you can. You know people who need to get into God's Word and thereby turn their lives around, come close to God, grow in their faith, get ready for eternity because it's coming. So share. You can do that through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. But also, we encourage you and everyone you can influence in that direction to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Click on our podcast link and sign up for our podcasting. Now, it is free. It always will be free. We're not after anybody's wallet. We want to help as many people as we can get to heaven. So when somebody signs up for our podcasting, they will automatically receive on their smart device, whether that's their phone or computer, laptop, pad, tablet, whatever it might be, they'll receive these Wednesday night Bible classes, but also our Sunday morning Bible classes, all of our sermons, a great daily seven-day-a-week short, about a 13-minute Bible study each day called Today's Bible Class, and they'll also receive our Monday through Friday daily radio program, Search the Scriptures. And while at our website, they can access hundreds of sermons that are posted there in our archives, and also hundreds of scripturally-based and spiritually-focused articles that they can download and read and study through. So tremendous amount of study materials, Bible resource materials right there on our website churchofchrist.com and all free for your use and for your study and for your growth spiritually. Now, if you're able to come and be with us in person, our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street in Omaha. We hope to be able to meet you, let get to know you better, let you get to know us. We look forward to that if you can be with us. If you're listening in other areas, We're thankful to stay connected with you, and we pray that you will stay connected with us. We're going to get back into our study in 2 Peter. 2 Peter. We've been reading through various of the different letters in the New Testament. We've studied through quite a few already, and we've studied through James and 1 Peter and 2 Peter, in addition to a number of the letters by the Apostle Paul, and we're getting close toward the end of 2 Peter. Now, we have really been focusing in chapter 2 of 2 Peter on Peter's teaching warning against 
false teachers and false teachings, and he continues to do that through the rest of the chapter. We, we talked about the, the destructive doctrines that are, per, that are purported by false teachers, and some people might think, well, it's really not that big a deal, is it, what somebody believes personally or what they teach personally, if that's their understanding of the scriptures, is that really, is that really so big a deal? Yes, it is. And we've looked at a number, numerous different texts of Scripture that condemn false teaching and false teachers and warn the faithful against those teachings and those teachers. What we believe and what we teach and what we practice is absolutely imperative. It is crucial to our eternal salvation that eternal home with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in heaven. So we want to make sure we're on track doctrinally. Truth is truth. And remember, and we've emphasized that Jesus said in John chapter 8 and verse 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. In verse 31, he said, if you abide in my word, that is you stay in my true teachings, you are truly my disciples. Disciple means follower. So you see, it's not just a matter of what I think or what you think or what you feel or somebody else feels. A person can be standing and holding a Bible in their hand and teaching what they sincerely believe, but if it's not in accord with what the scriptures really teach, then they're teaching false doctrine and they need to be avoided. They need to not be listened to because that false doctrine can lead not only themselves, but also all of those who hear them and go along with it, believe it, and put it into practice in their lives, that can, they can lead them to eternal condemnation in hell as well. In this closing section of Second Peter chapter 2, Peter talks about how these false teachers deceive people through their teaching. Now, we've, we've talked about how there are truly some people who sincerely believe what they teach, even though they are sincerely wrong in what they teach. Nonetheless, they believe it. They've been taught it. They've come to that understanding in their lives, and that's what they put forth. Well, unfortunately, that does not mean that what they're teaching is really the truth as communicated to us in God's Word. Now, what is the, and so even though they're sincere in that, they're still wrong, and they're still teaching destructive doctrines because they're not God's doctrines. They're not what God's Word really teaches. Truth is truth, whether anybody believes it or not, and falsehood is false no matter how many people believe it, and God's Word does not change. Does not change. Beginning with verse 18 of 2 Peter chapter 2, Peter goes on and he says, for when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, now who are they? These false teachers. This entire chapter has been focusing on false teachers and their false teachings. When they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. Hmm, interesting. 
there are a whole lot of people who have learned the truth of God's word and they have embraced it and they've obeyed it. But then false teachers can come on the scene and can lead those sincere and obedient souls into false teaching, into believing something that's not true to God's word. We read in Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 20, beginning with verse 27, the apostle Paul warning, I'm sorry, beginning with verse, uh, verse 29, the apostle Paul warning the elders, now that would be the leaders of the church at Ephesus, that false teachers were coming. He says, I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Now that's very illustrative, metaphorical language, talking about false teachers. The savage wolves are the false teachers. Not sparing the flock, that is the congregation at Ephesus over which the elders to whom he was speaking were overseers and their responsibility was to take care of that congregation and keep them in the truth, recognize when any false teaching was presented and shut that down. So Paul says, after my departure, Savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. He goes on in verse 30, and he says, also among yourselves, men will rise up. Now, maybe he's talking about among the congregation, some people will go astray and they'll rise up and start teaching false doctrine. But he also could be indicating that even among you elders, there are going to be some who are going to go astray and they're going to lead some in the congregation into false teaching, false doctrine. However, we're to understand that, and it could be both ways. Paul is warning them that these false teachers, whom he is likening to savage wolves, are going to come in, and when he says not sparing the flock, he's going to do the flock, he's going to do the con- they're going to do the congregation. These false, de- con- these false teachers are going to do damage to the congregation, to those precious souls who have been saved through Jesus Christ, who have become Christians. In verse 31, he says, and uh, let's go back to verse 30, from among yourselves men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. In other words, they're going to get a following. They're going to get the disciples, the true followers of Christ, true Christians, there in the congregation in Ephesus. These false teachers who are going to come up within the congregation there in Ephesus, they're going to draw away some of those true Christians after themselves. They're going to, they're going to through their false teaching, get them to follow them rather than the true teachings of Jesus Christ. So in verse 31, he says, therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. Now, so now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So Paul says, I commend you to God's word. God's word is key again. What did Jesus say in John 12 and verse 48? On that final day of judgment, we're going to be judged according to his words. His words. God has communicated his will to us 
through the written word that was penned, written down by men God chose and guided to write what he wanted them to write. We read how Peter talked about that in uh, in in Second Peter chapter one in verses twenty and twenty one. He said, "No prophecy of Scripture came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit." And the Apostle Paul wrote essentially the same thing in Second Timothy chapter three in verse sixteen when he said, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is God's very word. So Paul is saying, I commend you to God's word. Pay attention that it really is God's word that somebody within the congregation, either coming in from outside or up from within the congregation, might be teaching. You elders are responsible for recognizing false teaching and stopping that and also making sure that the congregation, all those Christians within that congregation, are fed with the true word of God, the true teachings of God's word. So we come back to Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 18. When they speak great swelling words, now false teachers, again, they don't go around identifying themselves as being false teachers. As I said earlier, and I said before in this study from chapter 2 of Second Peter, there are some false teachers who are sincere in believing what they're teaching. They're really mistaken. But what they're, how they understand what they're teaching to be God's word is, is an error. They're, it's not really God's word. They're teaching false doctrine. There are other false teachers who are just outright frauds. They're out to gain a following. And with that following usually goes money. Either way, whether it is a sincere person who believes what he is teaching or that person who is an outright fraud, if what they're teaching is not in accord with God's word, if it contradicts the truth of God's word, then they must be stopped. They must not be listened to. They must be shunned. Now, hopefully, prayerfully, they can be taught the truth and they will accept it as the truth, and they will turn away from their false beliefs. But if not, they cannot be allowed to be teaching those false teachings within the congregation, any congregation of the Lord's church. It's interesting how Peter portrays them as using great swelling words. Oh, they sound good, but they're words of emptiness because they're not God's word. So they don't offer anyone true spiritual growth and promise. They're empty words because they're not the truth. They allure through the lusts of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. And so they're going to lead some, some, some true Christians into their false doctrines. <coughs> Excuse me. And so sometimes they will use very unscrupulous means to lure true Christians away from the truth and into error and into, in some cases, um, immorality. 
In verse 19, Peter goes on and says, while they promised them liberty. Now, what does liberty mean? Freedom. While they promised them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. Slaves of corruption? Sin. They're slaves of sin. Well, they promise freedom to those they're teaching their false doctrines to, but they themselves are slaves of sin. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. There are actually those who claim to be teachers of the gospel, teachers of God's word, who are teaching things that are so outrageous, but they, in their mind, are teaching teaching doctrines that they think are contemporary with our times. God's word is just as relevant today as it was when it was finally written down almost 2,000 years ago. And the Old Testament having been written down hundreds of years before that. God's word is always relevant to the day, whatever the day might be. So in our time right now, it's just as relevant as it was when it was completed back again almost 2,000 years ago. There are people who claim to be teachers of God's word who practice sexual immorality and will lead others into sexual immorality. They'll teach people by some means, telling them, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to tell you how you can be free from, from restrictions that some people will teach you from God's word. Well, look, again, truth is narrow. It's always narrow. And Jesus said in Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14, that the few are going to stay on the pathway of that, that narrow pathway of truth that leads to heaven, eternal life therein. But most people are going down that broad highway of self-destruction that ultimately leads to eternal condemnation in hell because they're going to do what they want to do. Now, some of them will be sincere in what they're doing, thinking they're doing okay, but they're not. They're off in a direction that is not in accord with God's word again. And so Peter says, some of these false teachers, they, they promise people, they promise those people they're trying to teach freedom from restrictions. You can do all kinds of different things that you thought you couldn't do as Christians, but they're actually slaves of sin themselves. And they're going to lead those people who might follow them and their false teachings into sin themselves. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. Now who, what, how can we understand that? These false teachers who are slaves of sin, they've already been overcome by the devil's influence in their lives. They've become slaves to Satan. They've become servants of sin. And those who would follow them into their false teachings will also likewise become slaves of sin. Peter goes on in verse 20 and he says, For if, after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. Now, Peter's talking about false teaching 
again being presented to Christians who have escaped the bondage of sin. They were baptized into Christ, at which point the blood that Jesus shed on the cross cleansed them of the guilt of their sins. Acts 22 and verse 16. Ananias asked Saul of Tarsus, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling in the name of the Lord. So they've done that. They've been forgiven. They've been redeemed. They've been saved. But Peter says, those false teachers out there, they're going to lead some of faithful Christians off into false teaching, false doctrine, false beliefs, which is sin. And they're going to become entangled in that sin. They're going to become slaves of sin. And Peter says somehow it's going to be worse for them than it was before they became Christians. Now, we might scratch our heads and say, how in the world could it be worse for someone who goes back into sin than it was before he was redeemed from his sin? before he became a Christian? Well, the scriptures do teach in various places about degrees of condemnation or punishment in hell. Now, I'm not going to pretend to suggest to you that I understand how that's going to be fully, but the scriptures are rather repetitive in teaching that particular principle or understanding. But here's one thought that might help us understand. For a person who comes out of sin, he believes in Jesus Christ, he obeys the gospel through baptism, the blood of Christ cleanses him of the guilt of his sin. All of that past sin is done away with, wiped clean by God through the blood of Christ. That person is born again spiritually, John 3, verses 3 through 5. He has become a new creation from a spiritual perspective, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. He's saved. But now if he goes back into sin, he goes back into the condemnation of sin. You can't live a lifestyle of sin without expecting that you're now back in the condemnation of sin. And so, what they have been freed from, they go back into. They had enjoyed forgiveness. They'd enjoyed, if you want to think about it, absolution from their old lifestyle of sinfulness. But now they go back into it, back into condemnation again, because the wages of sin is death. Romans 6 and verse 23. They have lost what they had gained, what they had been blessed with. They had been blessed with forgiveness. They had been blessed with redemption, and they've gone back into the ways of the world. They've turned their backs on the greatest blessing that they had received. Now, before they became a Christian, they didn't have that blessing, but they had it in their grasp, having become a Christian, and then they gave it up and went back into the condemnation of sin. That's one way, perhaps, that we can understand what Peter is getting across here when he says it's worse for them than, than it was from the beginning. 
before they became a Christian. In verse 21, he does give some explanation. He says, for it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment that was delivered to them. We see again, you have something in your grasp and then you throw it away. Well, before you had that in your grasp, you didn't understand the riches of it as far as being in your possession. To have been living in sin, condemned, but then coming out of that sin through Christ and being forgiven and being saved and then giving that up and going back into the condemnation of sin? Oh, my while you were still in sin, before you became a Christian, before you were saved, you didn't enjoy that salvation. You you did not receive it. You did not have that salvation. But to have had it and then give it up, how horrible is that? How tragic is that? And so in that sense, we can understand Peter's statement that it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. They have chosen to give up their salvation and forgiveness to go back into the muck and the mire of sin. And then Peter gives a couple of rather repulsive illustrations. He says, it has happened to them according to the true proverb. A dog returns to his own vomit, and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. How repulsive it is to think, how how disgusting to think of a dog eating something, and that whatever that was he ate, making him sick to his stomach, and he throws it up. But then in a short time, he goes back and eats up the vomit. He eats it again, consumes it again. Now, that is, again, totally disgusting to us, repulsive. Why would that dog do that? That sow that has been washed, and then the owner turns turns her loose, and then she goes right back into the mud hole and gets all filthy muddy again. Well, we understand it's a pig. (laughs) We understand it's a dog, and they don't have the depth of, hum- of, of reasoning, logical reasoning that we have as human beings that God has blessed us with. But Peter is simply using those illustrations to get across the foolishness, the stupidity of having been saved from the guilt of your sin and then tossing that salvation aside to go back into the muck and the mire of sin again with its condemnation. But so many people do exactly that. The greatest blessing that a person can have that God offers is eternal salvation through Jesus Christ and the eternal life that goes with that eternal salvation, that home in heaven. Why would anyone 
throw that away after having received it to go back into the condemnation, eternal condemnation and torture of hell because of their sin. Humanity is fickle. God blesses us with wisdom, but we, also, but we often act very foolishly. We'll pick up with chapter 3 in Second Peter next time. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us so much and letting us love you. Thank you for offering, the great, offering us the greatest of all blessings, forgiveness, redemption, spiritual rebirth, salvation, eternal life through Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for blessing us with the opportunity to be forgiven of all the guilt of all of our sins throughout all of our lives. And help us, Father, to be aware of false teaching, of the influences of the devil to lead us back into sin, painting a pretty picture on a surface level basis, but hiding the ultimate destructiveness of that sinful lifestyle until we get into it and all of a sudden we see what a mistake we've made, how horrible it is. But help us to keep our eyes open, Father, to the truth, your truth, and help us to embrace it cherish it, and live by it for the rest of our lives. Please forgive us, gracious Father. Our prayer in Jesus' name, amen.